friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening! Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. Good morning if it is your morning, or maybe good afternoon, or maybe good evening. I don't know, when do you listen to your podcasts? I actually like to listen to podcasts while I'm doing chores. (laughs) So if that's you, I'm with you as you are cleaning your bathroom or your kitchen, wherever it is, maybe you're putting laundry away. That is my podcast time. I love doing that because I feel productive, but also it makes it more fun. I don't know. Or maybe you are in the car on your commute somewhere. Well, wherever you are, thank you for listening. I love it. I love when we get to connect over podcast. For me, I really love listening to podcasts where I feel like the podcaster is like my best friend and they don't even know it, but I feel that way. So if you feel that way about me, I'm very honored. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I don't know if you saw one of my more recent social media posts, but I've really been contemplating this idea of motivation. What is it? How do we get it? How do we keep it? How do we maintain it? And the reason this has become a kind of an obsession of mine over the past few weeks is because... I've noticed a pattern with clients that are coming to me and in our very first session together is really what I call or the coaching industry calls a detailed personal history. And what that means is I'm really just trying to understand the client. I'm really trying to understand what the client wants first and foremost. And that's where we start. And inevitably, at some point, said client will say, I want more motivation. There are other things too, which I'll get into on other podcasts that are like the most common things that people say that they want. Well, when we get into after I elicit what the client wants, then it is my job to understand what specifically is blocking this individual client. And we do a whole deep dive on their whole personal history. That's why it's called a detailed personal history so that I can understand what's keeping the client from having said result. Well, obviously in a podcast, I don't have the ability to do a deep dive with you on what's keeping you specifically in your life, patterns or memories or old behaviors from motivation. However, what I can do is research motivation in general and make sure we're all on the same page about what are we talking about with motivation and tell you my findings, not only as an NLP coach who's certified in my own right, But what are other experts also saying about motivation and how can we get more of it? So that's what I want to do with you today. Okay, hopefully you are like me and you're totally okay with nerd tangents. But before I researched, the very first thing that I did was sit down with a pen and paper and write out my own definition of the word motivation. 
Because I just wanted to see like what comes to mind when I think of this word. What's my personal definition of the word motivation? And then I went and looked in the dictionary and it wasn't drastically different, although it was a different explanation. So I wanna give you what kind of my personal definition of motivation is. When I think of the word motivation, I wrote down a desire to move in a forward direction. To me, that's my definition of the word motivation. What does it mean? It means I'm, I have this desire and the desire is gonna support me to move forward. Well, the dictionary definition was slightly different. So according to dictionary.com, motivation is to provide with motive. Well, I thought, okay, well, we're just using the root of the word to come up with the definition. So then I clicked on the word motive to do a little bit more. And motive is really incentive or a reason to act. So I was like, okay, so we're really talking about being provided with an incentive. And that's the dictionary's definition of motivation. So, okay, so they're saying incentive. I'm saying desire. Those are pretty similar. They're not so far off. However, I did find this interesting is that my definition included moving forward, right? Which to me, if I'm talking about moving forward, what I mean is creating a picture in my life that creates enough desire for me to go get it. That is not everyone's definition of motivation. Some people are actually motivated by pain. Their incentive is to get away from the pain, get away from it. So that's actually why I think the dictionary explanation was a little bit more vague because providing with incentive doesn't mean that I'm moving in a forward direction. It could mean I am incentivized to move away from a painful situation and that's my motive. So I, I kind of found that interesting. Just in the language itself, we can see a slightly and hear a slightly different explanation of this word. Now, why does this matter? Well, you probably think, I've been noticing a pattern in my podcast. My podcast, there's a definite pattern in me breaking down language. And I also looked at themes along what do I teach about a lot. And what I tend to teach about a lot is interacting with other people. And at first I thought this was just a me thing. Oh, that's just because communication is my highest value and it's coming out over and over and over again on my podcast. And then when I was preparing for this particular episode, I realized, oh, this actually is because I'm NLP certified. And what does NLP stand for? It stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. So linguistics, language is what I'm certified in, and what I'm really trying to train your ear on where you're listening to this is language is really important. And language, how we describe our world around us, says a lot about what's going on on the inside of how we think about things, how we feel about things, how we perceive the world around us. I don't want to fly off into outer space here. I do want to ground this back into reality. It's like, why does this language distinction matter? Let me explain to you why it matters. According to NLP, why should it matter if you're motivated by the pain, right? I want to get away from the pain versus I am motivated by a forward picture that I want to create in my life. Well, the NLP words for this pain versus pleasure 
is when we are motivated by the pleasure, by the forward motion, by the picture we see in our future, we are motivated by the NLP term toward, moving toward what we want. When we are motivated by the pain, I don't like this. I want to get away from this picture. This picture of my life sucks. I don't like this. We're actually motivated by what's called away from. I am moving away from the pain. Just get me away from it. Okay, and the simplest way to say this is, are we motivated by the carrot or the stick? So if you picture a horse, it's either being motivated because there's a carrot dangling in front of its face or because there's somebody sitting on it, whipping it in the behind. Both of those will work to move the horse forward. One of them is pleasure, the other is pain. Now, question for you. When do you think most people come to me for coaching? When they are motivated by a picture that they want, a toward, or when they are motivated by some pain points in their life, the away from? Well, most clients come to me with a little bit of both, mostly pain. They're just like, I'm not really sure what I want. I just know I don't want this anymore. That is when most people will come to me for some sort of coaching because, and here's what I've realized is the reason why, because they are so unclear on what the forward picture is. They need help eliciting that. They need help figuring out what that is because all they can see around them is, I don't want this reality. I don't know what I want, but I don't want this. Well, that's really, really, really common. It's really natural. It's really normal. So if that's you, please know you are not alone. And there's no blame or shame or needing to justify the fact that you're in pain and you don't like this picture anymore and you feel stuck. Well, part of the reason why you're feeling stuck is because you're not sure what to move toward. You know you want to get away from this pain, but there's no forward motion. There's no desire on the other side. So you're not sure in which direction to move. And that is part of the reason why that stuck feeling comes into play. I really want to make sure you understand toward and away from because this one concept can support you in a lot of ways. So I want to give you an analogy using two different made up clients. Let's say I have two clients that come to me with the same exact goal. And let's just say for the sake of this analogy that both clients want to lose 15 pounds so they both come to me and they say the exact same goal I want to lose 15 pounds and I ask one client and what's important to you about losing the 15 pounds and the client starts saying things like oh my gosh I want to have more energy I want to have more focus throughout my day I want to live longer I want to feel stronger I want to feel sexier in my skin I want to be able to do three pull-ups. I want to be able to run an eight-minute mile. These are the things that are important to me. I want longevity. I want to thrive. And I'm like, okay, and I'm writing these things down, right? And I'm like, okay, we have a very clear picture of what we want. This is a client that is motivated by toward, the toward picture, where we're going, okay? Then I go to the other client. I say, What's important to you about losing 15 pounds? And the client says this, you know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of feeling tired. And when I look in the mirror in the mornings, I feel puffy and bloated and my pants don't fit. And I don't like what I see in the mirror. 
I feel self-conscious and it's making me not want to leave my house because I know if I go outside that I'm going to run into people and they're going to see this weight gain and that makes me just feel terrible about myself. And not only am I lacking confidence, but I just feel tired all the time. Can you help me change that? I don't want this anymore. Okay, are both of these clients currently motivated? Yes, they are. They are both currently motivated. One is motivated by the toward picture. They have this desire in this direction of I want to go here. The other is motivated by an away from picture. I want to get away from this reality. I don't like it. Let me start by asking you this. Which of these two clients is going to have more fun getting to their goal? The client who is motivated by what they want or the client who is motivated by what they don't want? It doesn't take a mathematician to see that the person who's going to have more fun doing this is the person who has a desire to move toward what they want. The person who has the, the pain may be motivated, but because they're so focused on how they don't like their body and how they don't like how they're tired all the time, that's the focus that they're going to bring to their goal. And more than likely, they're going to have a rougher time. Because they're focused on how they don't feel good and how they feel tired and how their pants don't fit. And that energy weighs them down. It's like a sluggish molasses type energy. Now let's just say, for the story's sake, that both clients are motivated to the end result. And both clients lose 15 pounds on both sides. The person that said, I want to run an eight minute mile. I want to do three pull-ups. I want to lose 15 pounds. For all these reasons, to have more energy, to have longer life, that person hits their goal. What is that person more likely to do at this point? Set a new goal or say, I hit my goal, I'm done. Actually, the person who is more motivated by the toward is going to be the most likely to set a new goal and a new vision because they've been motivated by vision the whole time. They will create a new vision. More often than not, the client who was motivated by the pain the entire time, once the pain goes away and they're like, ah, oh, I lost the 15 pounds, thank God, my pants fit better, thank God, I look in the mirror and I feel better about myself, thank God, more than likely, their motivation has disappeared because what was motivating them the whole time, the stick, the pain, the pain is gone which means this person, there's no motivation anymore. They're not being beaten the ass by a stick anymore, so they're no longer motivated. So what would be better, to be motivated by the picture of the toward, the desire that this is what I want for my future, the carrot, or to be motivated by the pain, the away from, the I don't like this, the I don't want this anymore. It's actually more helpful to be motivated by what you want than what you don't want even though I said earlier, most people are more motivated by what they don't want. This is a fundamental problem when it comes to being motivated. There's also another layer to toward and away from, which is that consciously we can create vision boards, we can create desire, we can create a carrot for ourselves on the conscious level. But what do we know drives behavior? Conscious thought or unconscious thought? 
unconscious thought drives behavior. This is something that is missing from most self-help books and most personal development books because most personal development books focus on what you can do consciously. Hey, set a goal. Hey, create a vision board. Hey, create a carrot in your life. But what the self-help book can't necessarily do for you at this level is take care of the unconscious patterns, the unconscious blocks, the unconscious pains, the unconscious away from motivations. So I have a tip for you. Even though, of course, I am such an advocate for therapy and I'm such an advocate for life coaching and I strongly recommend that you do one or the other or both, always, 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 I will say there is something you can do for yourself if you have a vision board and you're like, oh, but Rachel, I thought vision boards were like supposed to be the thing to help me manifest. Well, they only go so far. So cutting out a picture of what you want and putting it on a board is great for your conscious mind. Your conscious mind sees that picture every day and it's like, sweet, yes, now I'm remembered what I want. To go the extra mile here, I know this is going to sound really weird and really random. Here, it is so easy. Here's the thing you can do to make your vision boards more effective. Cut out a picture of you and put it in front of said goal. So let's say the goal is you want to buy a house next year. Not only are you going to cut out a picture of your ideal house, you're also going to cut out a picture of you and put yourself on the house. Why? What does this do? So actually now when your brain looks at this picture of the house and you, there's several things going on. There's the conscious level, which is, yes, I want to go get that. Then there's the unconscious level and your unconscious mind is like, oh, do I have that house? How come I'm in the picture? Oh, I get it. That's the future picture. That's the future destination of me in the house. I'm going to go get that. I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense necessarily unless you've researched this, but that is the secret to making your vision boards more effective is to literally put yourself in the picture so your unconscious mind knows that's the future picture that involves me that I need to go get and then your unconscious mind will start taking the actions required. So that was just a little bonus tip, but I wanna come back to what can you do if you're looking at your life and you're like, okay, most of my life I'm motivated by the pain. Then what I want you to do is I want you to sit down and think about what do I want instead? For every pain point you have, I hate my job. What do I want instead? I hate my relationship. What do I want instead? I hate my whatever. What do I want instead? And you are going to get as detailed as possible about what you want instead. This is the toward picture that's going to allow you to go create what you want instead of feeling stuck in what you don't want. Now, as I said before, both the toward picture and the away from picture are motivating. In fact, a lot of NLP coaches don't necessarily teach you the distinction between why toward is better because both can be temporarily effective. The pain points can be temporarily effective. In fact, there is an NLP exercise strategy that a lot of NLP coaches will teach at their in-person events, okay, called the Dickens process. And if you just Google the the Dickens process, you can see 
the most profound NLP coach that does this, you can see that on your own. (laughs) Just Google it. It'll be there for you. But the Dickens process is essentially when an NLP coach that's in front of the room is helping people elicit the pain of their past in order to change the reality of their future. Why is this called the Dickens process? Because of Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. In this Dickens process, what you do is you write down your current reality. And then you write down what will your life be like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if nothing changes. This is expanding the pain from the away from picture and projecting it out into the future and saying, this is the path you're on. Are you going to be happy five years from now? Are you going to be happy 10 years from now? Are you going to be happy 20 years from now? Okay, let's take a specific example. Let's take smoking. And if you smoke, I have nothing against you, nothing against that choice in your life. This is just an example. Okay, let's, let's take smoking, for example. Someone who smokes and you say, okay, what are the negative thoughts and emotions around smoking, if any? Some people don't have any negative thoughts and emotions around smoking. Fine. But let's say we're talking to somebody who's like, I hate that I have this habit. I don't like it. But I do it because it's a habit, because I my body lights up when I have this nicotine. I enjoy the effects of it. So I enjoy it, so I, so I do it. Yet I have conflict around it. This would be the ideal client I would do this with. And I would say, okay, so you're smoking now. Write down all the negative thoughts and emotions around that. And I want you to imagine all of the negative impact because you're smoking. And let's say the client says things like, well, I have shortness of breath. I have trouble going up and down the stairs. I'm not as athletic as I once was. Whatever. You're free from that. It's just an example. And I say, okay, now let's magnify that. Let's say you keep smoking. Let's say nothing changes. You don't smoke more. You don't smoke less. Let's just take this picture out into the future five years and say you smoke five cigarettes a day every day for the next five years, how will that impact you five years from now? And then we do the same thing, elicit the negative thoughts and emotions, elicit the negative impact. What's it like? Now the person is seeing, oh my gosh, it's getting the situation, even without changing the situation, it's getting worse because there's a compound effect that's being built upon over five years. Then we do it for 10 years. Now the client is seeing, Oh, this path that I'm on, I'm not going to like it five years from now, 10 years from now. Now I'm extremely motivated to get away from this pain. Okay, so now they have the away from motivation, right? You're like, okay, now imagine you stop smoking today, okay? What will that be like five years from now? If you stop smoking today, what will be the positive impact on your life five years from now? And the client says, oh my gosh, I have more lung capacity, I am more athletic, I have less wrinkles, I have more energy. Oh my gosh, sky's the limit. I'm eating healthier food because my taste buds are better. I'm passing on good habits to my family, to my friends. And you say, great, great. Now go out even further. 10 years from now, what will your life be like? And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so fit. I didn't have any idea that the smoking was 
keeping me from this level of athleticism that I didn't even know I wanted. And look at me, I'm running and jumping and I'm playing with my kids. That's the path I want. And then the client is so totally motivated to take the toward picture because they've had both. This is called the Dickens process. The only issue I have with NLP coaches is if they only elicit the pain points for the client. If you only elicit the negative, the negative impact, the negative thoughts, the negative emotions compounded over 5, 10 years, you're doing your client a disservice because they're only going to be motivated for a short term. They need to have the long-term picture to go after that picture. Does this make sense? And you deserve to have the same thing in your own life. Get really, really, really clear on what you want in your life so you can create more of it. Okay, well, how do you do that? Okay, how do you do that? Well, the first thing I just told you is you're going to write down all the things that you don't like in your life and get specific. So if you put like my relationship at the top of your paper, what don't you like about your relationship? Get specific. What are the things that you dislike? Maybe the communication is bad. Maybe the fighting is too much. Maybe there's not enough intimacy. Maybe there's a lot of blaming and shaming and pointing fingers. Get specific on one side of your paper. Then on the other side of the paper, go item by item and say to yourself, what do I want instead? So the first thing I said, I think, was we're fighting too much. We're fighting too much. What kind of communication do you want? Don't just say not fighting. Not fighting is not the opposite of fighting. If you're not fighting, what are you doing? What is your communication like? You need to get specific on what the toward picture is. The absence of pain is not what we're doing here. Not fighting is not the actually the opposite. Get clear on what you want instead of the fighting. Oh, I want a type of communication where we both hold space to feel heard. I want the type of communication where we can both hold space for the other person to be upset. I want communication where at the end of the day, everybody feels like we're moving in a similar direction. Now, you don't need to know the how of this yet because the how will come. Just get clear on what don't I want. And then make sure you have a very specific, clear toward picture of what you want instead. Without the toward picture, we're not motivated. Okay, so that was kind of a huge, long-winded way to say that my first tip for you around motivation is to make sure you have a toward picture to get really, really specific and clear on that. That's step one. If you don't have goals, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a future purpose or a future goal, then it's no wonder to me that you're struggling with motivation. And I've been here before in my life too. Once I hit a goal and I'm like coasting for a while and I'm like, why am I lacking motivation? Oh, because I'm not clear where I'm going. So that's step one. Get clear where you're going. Now I want to chunk down motivation even further because there are different types of people that are motivated by different types of things. So we all can say that we need a clear picture. That's why I did that tip first, because that's universal. Everyone is going to be more motivated if they have a clear picture of a destination that they're working toward. But now let's get even more specific about what motivates you 
as an individual. So I want to go into two different studies. The first study that I'm going to go over with you is by Tamara Lowe. She actually wrote a book many years ago called Get Motivated. I absolutely love this book. You can find it on Amazon, I'm sure. Tamara Lowe, Get Motivated. I'm going to kind of chunk down the basics of these different personality types that she's going over with you in the book so you can discover what motivates you specifically. So in Tamara Lowe's research, what she found was there were three subtype categories for motivation. The first one being that when we look at people who are motivated, there were two types of people. One type of person that was motivated by connection, relationships, networking, These type of people are motivated specifically by associations and relationships that intrinsically add value to their life. Now, some of you are listening and going, oh my gosh, yes, that's me. Like if I am looking to my boss and I have a very close relationship with my boss and I want to develop that relationship and develop that rapport and I want to make him or her proud or whatever then you are probably motivated by the connection. Other people, that's not necessarily their main motivator. The other option would be motivated by production. So certain people are more motivated by getting things done, being productive, being high-yielding and fruitful is more important to this type of person. And this type of person wants to come in and have a very clear to-do list. Like, give me the things that I need to get done today. Ba 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 ba. And so it's not that we're not motivated by both. It's just which one predominantly motivates you more. Connection with people or productivity. Once you know that about yourself, you can align yourself with these types of careers or these types of goals Some goals that are going to be more connection and relationship-based. Other goals are going to be more productivity-based. Knowing yourself can help you set yourself up for success when you set goals. Now, I said there were three subtypes, so we've only gone over the first one, which is are you more motivated by connection or productivity? There's a second subtype, which is knowing what your needs are. Some people need stability. They need sameness. They need every day to look routine. These people are motivated by situations in which things are pretty much the same every day. Other people, you put them in a job like that and they're going to go insane because they need variety. They need differences. They need to wake up every day and have changes in their routine. In NLP, we would call this a differences person. So, There's some cross-contextualized going on. This was a study that Tamara Lowe did. In NLP, remember last time we went over meta programs? She's describing a meta program. So in NLP, we would call this people who are driven by sameness versus people driven by differences. She's, her words are stability versus variety. So if you know, oh, I'm more motivated by stability, I want sameness, I want routine, then you're going to set goals that incorporate a lot of sameness, stability, and routine. If you like variety, you are going to need to switch it up a lot 
So your goal can stay the same, but how you get there, you're going to need to leave yourself a lot of room for flexibility. And lastly, what motivates you? Are you motivated by internal rewards and internal validation? Or are you motivated by external rewards and external validation? So an example of an internal reward might be, oh my gosh, I feel I did such a good job. Like I know I did such a good job. I ran my heart out. That's enough for me. Other people are like, no, no, I need to go out and reward myself and buy a new outfit if I did something amazing. I need to actually reward myself with something tangible. Then what you can do is once you set a goal that drives you and meets your needs, then you set the proper reward. So you might want internal reward or you might want to actually set up a situation for yourself or when I hit this goal I'm going to reward myself with xyz and that's going to motivate me now if you're curious to discover Tamara Lowe put together what she calls the DNA motivational type and you can take this quiz to determine what is the type of person that you are given those three different subtypes So you take the quiz and then it tells you, okay, based on your results, this is your personality type. This would be the best way to set goals for yourself. This would be the best career choice for you. Here's how you should show up. I enjoyed the book. I don't think you can do the quiz without buying the book. I looked. I tried to find you like a free quiz link and I could not, as hard as I try, I could not find one. So if you want the book, you can buy it on Amazon and the quiz is in the book. And it'll tell you your motivational personality type, and then it will give you some advice. So that's the book I reference. So I just, as always, want to give credit to the books that I reference and leave them in the show notes so you can have access to it if that's something you want. Again, if you would rather do the Meta Programs Values Inventory with me, I'll leave that link in and we can do this similar thing. But instead of doing it with a book, you'd be doing it one-on-one with me in more of the context of NLP. What does NLP say about your motivational type? We can do that together one-on-one. So I will leave both of those links in the show notes. Now the last motivational research I wanna go over with you that I found fascinating is brought to you by Gretchen Rubin. Now Gretchen Rubin wrote a book called The Four Tendencies. And in this book, she broke down four different types of personality types when it comes to setting and achieving goals. And I'm laughing. You're going to find out why I'm laughing in a minute. Her research is amazing. I'm not laughing at the book. I'm not laughing at her research. I'm laughing because what she found was that some people really like being told what to do and some people really hate it. And that's why I'm giggling. But there are four different tendencies that people have when it comes to goal setting and achieving their goals and I'm going to go over the four tendencies with you and again if you want to take that quiz I think I can actually leave a link to that specific quiz I did find a free one online that I'll leave in the show notes or you can buy the book it's called the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin okay so let's start with what are the four tendencies what are they called so the four tendencies are the upholder the questioner, the rebel, and the obliger. So in these four different tendencies, people show up with their personality 
when setting a goal or whether that be an external goal or an internal goal, something that they've set for themselves, something that somebody else has set for them to do. And people are going to respond very differently depending on which of the four tendencies or categories that they fall into. So the first one that would be the easiest to explain first would be the obliger. So the obliger responds to outer rules. So if an obliger shows up to work and their boss says, I need you to stay late today to do X, Y, Z, the obliger will say, absolutely, no problem. I got this. And they will do it because it has been told to them from an authority figure, you will do this. Even if the obliger had plans in their head to go to the gym at a certain time that night, they will cancel on themselves in order to oblige the authority, right? What's being expected of them outside of themselves, the obliger sees as more important. So they will cancel the plans on themselves in order to oblige the outward expectations. Now you can see where this would be a good thing for them in their career and a bad thing for them in their personal life. So there are pros and cons to each, but that's the obliger. So when the obliger is setting goals, the obliger is more likely to succeed when they have an authority figure telling them what to do. So if you're an obliger and you're like, oh my gosh, I cancel on myself all the time, but I definitely will meet other people's expectations. I'm going to tell everybody this. You specifically though, definitely deserve to hire an outside coach, hire a personal trainer, hire someone who's going to tell you how to get it done because you'll do it because somebody else is telling you to do it. Now, upholders, upholders will respond to both outer expectations and inner expectations. In other words, an upholder, if it's expected of them, whether it's by themselves or with somebody else, they will find a way. So in the same situation, if a boss came to an upholder and said, I need you to stay late today so that you can do X, Y, Z, the upholder will say yes, because it's an outside expectation, then they will go late to the gym because that is an internal expectation that they had on themselves. So they will uphold expectations all over the place. So obviously the pro to this is that upholders get a lot done, right, in the day. The kind of downfall of the upholder is they can be really, really hard on themselves because If and when they fail to follow through, which is going to happen, they feel really bad. They feel blame and shame, even if it's just on the inside. Then there is the rebel. This one I find fascinating. So the rebel resists all expectations, both outward expectations and inward expectations. They are very motivated by a sense of freedom and self-determination. So although on the outside, rebels may appear to people to be kind of flouting the rules, it's more that they just value freedom above all else. Now you might be thinking, I love freedom. Of course I love freedom. Yet here's how you know if you're a rebel. If someone puts an expectation on you in any way, shape, or form, you will do the opposite. That is a rebel. So it could be a spouse, could be a coworker, could be a boss, a superior. If a superior or authority or your spouse says to you, hey, could you please do X, Y, Z? The rebel will say no, 
I will not. <laughs> nope, not going to happen simply because you told me that this was an expectation and now I really don't want to do it. That's a rebel. Well, so you may be seeing something here, which is that strategies for motivation and accountability that would work for the other two archetypes will not work for the rebel. So let's take the obliger, for example. So one of the tips that I said is if you resonate with the obliger, then you need an outside person telling you what to do. So you're going to hire a personal trainer if you want to lose weight because the personal trainer is going to say, you need to show up at this time and this time and this time. You need to eat this food. You need to weigh yourself every week. And you'll do it because somebody else is telling you to do it, right? The upholder will also do that and listen to that authority figure because the upholder will uphold the expectations both of themselves and the other person. But what do you do if you're a rebel? <laughs> How do you get support? Because the accountability and the hiring of an outside coach and being told what to do creates resistance. So if you're a rebel, the most effective way that you can become motivated is to get really clear on who you are as an identity. Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. So let's say that as a rebel, you would see the benefit in quitting sugar. But as soon as you put that expectation on yourself, you go eat a cookie, right? You're like, ah, just the, even the thought of like, I have to quit sugar makes me wanna eat sugar. Well, then what you would do instead, and this is actually a very good NLP tip for everybody, is change the language to, I'm just not the type of person that eats sugar. I don't eat sugar anymore. And take it on as an identity. Because when you take it on as an identity, now you're not upholding anything. You're not rebelling against anything. You resonate with it as an identity shift in who you are. So that's my tip for rebels is instead of putting expectations on yourself, which you resist, instead get clear on who you want to be. Good advice for all of us. Okay, I saved this one for last. The last person is not an upholder, not an obliger, not a rebel. The last person is the questioner. For questioners is less about expectations, whether outer or inner. It's more about the purpose behind specific actions or the purpose behind specific propositions. Questioners are very motivated when they see good reason for a particular course of action but they are not so motivated when they don't understand the why. When they don't see the purpose, they're not going to do it. So if the boss comes to the questioner and says, I need you to stay late today to get this done, the questioner will be the most likely to say, why does that need to get done today? Now, the questioner can come across as being argumentative, they're not trying to be argumentative at all. They're not trying to be disrespectful. They're All they're trying to do is get themselves motivated by asking the why questions because they know, I'm not going to do that unless I know why. Because I could see myself getting up early tomorrow and finishing that project. But if you're up against a deadline and that is now explained to the questioner, the questioner will be very motivated and will get it done as long as all their questions are answered, they will get something done if they see good purpose and good reason. 
If the questioner does not see good purpose and does not see good reason, they won't get things done. Now, when I first heard these four tendencies, I thought I was an upholder. I really did. I was like, oh, I meet expectations outside myself and inside myself. I think I'm the upholder. But when I took the quiz, I realized, no, I'm the questioner. I have to know why we're doing something for every single thing and then it will get done. So it may seem like I'm upholding expectations, but I'm really only upholding the ones I understand very clearly. The ones I don't see the point or don't see the value, I'm not going to uphold those expectations because that's just my personality type. I'm now not saying this to blame or shame myself. I'm just being honest. I didn't know that was my personality type. And then when I took the quiz, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense to me. One thing I didn't love about reading my personality breakdown was that um, (laughs) people I work with can often find the questioners annoying or they can misinterpret our questions as being pushback. But we're really not trying to push back when we ask tons of questions. We're really trying to get clarity on the mission and the vision and the purpose and the reasons behind everything in order to be self-motivated. So I'm just throwing that out there. If you have some questioners in your life, they're not trying to annoy you and they're not trying to push back and they're not trying to be rebellious. What they're trying to do is get intrinsically motivated by asking all the required questions. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I literally just did this on a team staff meeting at Genius Unlocked before I took the quiz. And then after I took the quiz, I was like, oh, I wonder if all my questions came across as pushback. I really wasn't pushing back at all. I was just like, well, what's the plan for that? And and why are we doing it this way? And Would there be any other better ways to do this? And what does the research say about why we're doing it this way? And oh my gosh, I'm sure I drive people crazy. I can't help it. It's unconscious. It's part of my (laughs) nature and one of these categories of the four tendencies. So I had a lot of fun figuring out, oh, I'm motivated by reason and logic. So to sum up the four tendencies, questioners question all the rules, but can follow the rules they endorse. Rebels resist all the rules, but can follow identity and understanding who they are. Obligers will respond to outer rules, but not inner rules. And upholders will respond to outer rules and inner rules, but can sometimes feel like it's impossible to meet all the expectations, even though they try. Now, what's interesting about the four tendencies is that I'm noticing in here that some of the tendencies are motivated by toward, some of the tendencies are motivated by away from, and some have both. So it's not that the personality type is who you are for the rest of your life. When you do work on yourself, you can absolutely change your intrinsic motivations. You can absolutely change your motivation style because the more you work on yourself, the more you're going to release the things that you don't want in your life. If you don't want to be motivated by external approval or whatever, then you can release that. If that's not a toward for you, release it. If it's not a toward for you to resist everything, release that. You are not bound to a specific personality type, okay? I just want you that to be very, very clear. The more you work on yourself, 
the more fluid of a type person you become, where you just become more and more and more of what serves you, more and more and more of what honors yourself, and more and more and more of what you want to be. In fact, Jen, who's one of the CEOs at Genius Unlocked, where I do some contract work a lot of the time for coaching, she doesn't let our clients take personality types because she finds them to be constrictive. In her experience with past clients, she saw people attaching themselves to a label and then using that label as reasons and excuses for how they show up in the world. You're free from that. I tend to see personality types as helping us understand where we are now. As long as we're free from the label and we're free from taking it on as an identity, it helps us understand how we're showing up now, how we're showing up today, prior to doing the work, the inner work. Once we do the inner work and do the inner healing work, of course, things are going to change in our life. Our motivations are going to change in our life because the away from motivations have left. So I did want to say that because I am going to put the personality quiz link in the show notes. Just know this is, you're not attached to this. This doesn't define you. This is just information for how you are right now. And the more you work on yourself, the more adaptable you will be. And the more you will create what you want in your life. So what did we learn today? We learned that motivation can be motivated by pain or we can be motivated by a future picture and a future vision. My recommendation to you is to get clear on the future picture. Get it as specific as you can. And if and when you're going to use a vision board, put yourself on it so you can see yourself in that future vision. We then talked about different personality types found by the research of Tamara Lowe in her book, Get Motivated. And we compared that to NLP and how it does compare a lot to metaprograms values. So just know those are changeable too, as long as you're willing to do some work. And lastly, we looked at the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin to discover what are we motivated by? Is it more helpful to get outward accountability, inward accountability, neither, (laughs) or to get all of our questions answered first. I hope that this podcast has helped you to understand your motivation style and helps you to get into action today to set some really profound vision and goals for your life. If you found this helpful, share it with a friend. Thank you so much for joining me with your time today. I love you. Remember, life is a journey. You're the one in the driver's seat. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.